Thunder fans, ho! Welcome to the Pod of Thundera, where we take every episode of the original Thundercats sight beyond sight. We will discuss characters, plot, world, overall episode quality, and assess whether the episode holds up by today's standards, and how it can be updated for current audiences. I'm your host, Lars Beckley. Let's feel the magic, hear the roar, and let loose. Today's episode is called Pumra. It is the fifth episode of the first season, where spies are among us, and Mamra finally has a coherent plan where he's actually subtle about how insanely evil he is. Time for a synopsis. Spoilers, but you knew that. We open with Tigra and Panthro taking a test run of the cat size by parameter scans around the lair, when they pick up some unexpected geothermic activity from a nearby volcano, catching a glimpse of Shitara speeding across the desert during her morning run. Curious about the volcanic activity, Panthro and Tigra hitch a ride in the Thunder Tank to go check it out. As soon as the scanners are off, Shitara collapses unconscious mid-step, drugged and kidnapped by Monkeyan and Jackalman. The Thundercats are a bit wary that the tank returned before Chitara did, but not yet concerned enough to track her down. They should be, however, as she has been taken to the Black Pyramid. Mumra transforms from his ever-living form to Pumra, his Thundarian disguise. Returning to the location where Chitara had fallen, he brings her back to consciousness, claiming the half-truth that the mutants had drugged and kidnapped her and that he fought them off. Chitara, realizing he is Thundarian, takes Pumra back to meet the others at Cat's lair. Lionel is pretty surprised and stoked to see another of their kind, but Tigra and Panther are a little more cautious in their reaction, and Pumra certainly does not pass the vibe check from Starf though Lionel doesn't quite understand why. While the Thundercats meet in council, Mumra, I mean, Pumra, coordinates with the mutants via radio to attack the lair at noon the following day. In council, Tigra and Panther are skeptical of the new guy. Chitara is uncertain, but Lionel believes they should trust him. A warning from Jaga about hasty judgments encourages the Lord of the Thundercats to defer to the council's elders. That night, Pumra sabotages the cat's eyes and the Thunder Tank and goes in search of the Sword of Omens, which he finds in a hidden and locked chamber. He smothers the Eye of Thundera's warning with a cloth, and vanishes back into his chamber. That morning, Pumrah eagerly agrees to the proposed trial period the Thundercats have given him. While everyone else goes out on a mission, Snarf and Lionel are left behind to watch over the lair. Hours later, with Pumrah nowhere in sight, Lionel realizes that everything has been sabotaged and the Sword of Omens has been stolen. Pumrah signals the mutants to attack and reveals his evil plan to Lionel at the top of the steps of the cat's lair. Raising the sword to attack, Pumrah is violently struck by a lightning storm, as a sword of omens cannot be used for evil. Drawing the attention of the rest of the team, the Thundercats book it back to cat's lair. Though Lionel gets the sword back, the mutants have gotten a hold of the Thunder Tank. Outnumbered, Lionel, a bit redundantly, summons the Thundercats with a Thundercat roar. Panther shakes the mutants out of the Thunder Tank like he's emptying a purse and sets it back down. The mutants flee pretty much immediately, as is typical, but Pumra is still very much at large. He locks the Thundercats out of Cat's lair. Tigra suggests he can sneak his way back into the lair through the power exhaust, so long as Pumra doesn't activate anything inside. Lionel wants to go in his stead because of the danger, but Jaga advises him otherwise, encouraging Lionel to let Tigra play into his strengths, stealth, ingenuity, and being the architect behind Cat's lair. Pumra activates the Cat's eyes just as Tigra leaves the power exhaust. After using Sight Beyond Sight to see that Tigra survived, Chitara distracts the cat's eyes while Panthro scales the tower to go help Tigra, who seems to be deliberately overloading the lair's power systems. Lionel uses the Thundercat Roar again to draw the attention of the cat's eyes, which explode between the sword's power and Tigra's ingenuity, 
rendering the lair and Pumrah's efforts to barricade himself useless. The doors open and Lionel charges to the observation deck. Pumrah escapes to the mouth of the cat slayer's head and summons a giant, fire-breathing moth to sabotage Panther's break-in, ultimately failing as the door is already open. Pumrah retreats once more to the cat's eyes, but Tigra, invisible, is there to apprehend him until the other Thundercats arrive. Outnumbered by the Thundercats, Pumrah reveals his true identity as Mumra the Ever-Living, giving a threatening speech before vanishing back to his pyramid. Later, after having repaired the lair and making plans to develop better security for it, Lionel starts beating himself up a little for being naive about Pumra. Tigra and Snarf comfort him, reflecting on how making allies isn't always going to be easy, but at least they have each other. The Thundercats do all little friends forever, everybody put their hand in move, cue the music crescendo, and fade out. Moving on to the story and world. What do we learn about the Thundercats, Thundera, and their adopted world of Third Earth through this episode? We don't actually get a ton of world building this episode, unless you want schematics of the Cat Slayer, which are extremely inconsistent in layout. I can give you at least a quick list of rooms that don't magically vanish and hallways that rearrange themselves, and I don't know where this room full of guns is, but we never see it again, so I don't really care. The consistent rooms we get are the garage, the cat size, the sword chamber, council room, bedrooms, dining hall, kitchen, and semi-consistently a laboratory. Everything else is kind of whatever the plot demands in that moment. We also see our first cat-snouted Thundarian through Pumra. That could have been a mistake on Mumra's part, except we see more of them as real Thundarians later, but never as central characters like Pumra in this episode. Is a sign of noble blood just that their faces are more humanoid? I mean, the new Thundercats that come in later aren't Thundarian nobility, so is it just that it's like an anime protagonist situation where they have a crazy hair color to indicate that they're a main character? Eh, probably. Honestly, I could see a mix of the protagonist's design and Pumra's design being really cool. Oh well. It's a bit late to be a character designer for this show, huh? Moving on to the Sword of Omens already is it freaks out and electrocutes those it considers evil via insane lightning storm. I guess throwing itself into the dirt like an angry toddler when Lionel went hunting was just the tip of the iceberg. We also see that it has the power to overload the cat's eyes, at least in tandem with whatever crazy rewiring Tiger was doing. Moving on to character highlights. What do we learn about them? What do they do? Lionel actually learned some interesting stuff this episode about trust. Between tempering his knee-jerk reaction to Pumra, to learning to rely on the other Thundercats according to their strengths, something he's slowly but surely getting better at. Even if there are still plenty of times where he does something entirely on his own that he really didn't have to, or even straight up shouldn't have. Also, a bit of a side note, as much as I find Lionel's connection to Jaga's spirit really cool and interesting, I feel like it could have been more potent storytelling if he had received the advice he did in this episode from fellow Thundercats, or even Snarf. It probably would have solidified the teamwork themes in this episode even harder. Also, how long do you think it took for the other Thundercats to realize that Jaga's spirit had attached itself to Lionel? I mean, he is kind of talking to himself. It's, it's established that nobody else can see Jaga but him. Did they just assume, like, he was coping by talking to himself? I digress. Tigra and Panther's friendship really starts to maybe not blossom, considering they have a vibe that they've been friends for a while, but we get to see it for the first time. I get the distinct, like, you're a genius, no, you're a genius vibe from them. It's got, like, science bros, you know, Tony Stark, Bruce Banner kind of solidarity that sticks around throughout the series. I also love that that little, like, isn't my wife, I mean, Chitara, so cool, she's so fast, amazing. That was top-tier stuff from Tiger right there. I also appreciate that he's head of the council and not Lionel because, I mean, 
He's 12. And it really starts solidifying Tigra as the second in command of the Thundercats and is probably the most level-headed about the Pumrah situation, aside from Panthro. We also get to see him really do his thing by knowing every in and out of Cat Slayer and sneaking in to catch Pumrah. That was really awesome, too. Cheers to our nerdy ninja guy who chugs respect women juice. Chitara, honestly, genuinely shockingly, doesn't really get a lot in this episode despite being crucial to the inciting incident of this plot. You would think she would have more to say at the council meeting and more anger at Pumrah's betrayal. At least she gets to do her cool intuition thing when that storm zaps the ever-loving crap out of Pumrah and trying to use the sort of moments is like, that's no storm, pulling like some Obi-Wan Kenobi up in here. We don't get a ton of character development stuff for Panther this episode, other than seeing his rapport and friendship with Tigra established, which I love. The return of Panther's sarcasm, remarking Lion-O took driving in the thunder tank like a fish to water, even though I'm 90% sure the next, the very next episode, we see that lion definitely cannot drive that thing, because turning continuity errors into personality traits for characters is what we do on this show. We get to see him more in his powerful, like, physical element, too. Like, apparently, and maybe we can just blame this on adrenaline or whatever, but he lifts the thunder tank and moves it somewhere else after shaking the, th the mutants out of it. Like, Panther's definitely the strongest Thundercat physically, but that mo ma moment made me go, uh-huh. He's also a kick-butt climber, which makes sense since Panthers are jungle cats. He's extremely strong. I mean, that's a vertical surface with almost no grooves. That's impressive. Wily Cat and Kit get nothing other than puppy dog-eyed requests to go for a ride in the tank with someone who seems to them that they've completely forgotten that he's the same age as they are. He's just in a man's body. Snarf gets a little something that's pretty cool. He doesn't get a ton in this episode, but what we do get is a bit more honing in on what makes Snarf so valuable, despite the Thundercats kind of just ignoring him at first. And the cool things that Snarf can do as a species that makes him so valuable to the story. Ugh, I can't believe they snurfed, I, I mean, nerfed Snarf in the reboot by making him not able to talk. Anyway... He really is the moral center of this group. It's He's their compass, intuition. He's got this humbleness that none of the other Thundercats do. Tiger and Panther have the wisdom, but not the neutrality of being not Thundarian. I think it ties back into Snarf's being walking, talking, illusion-resistant vibe checkers. He knew Pumrah's vibes were rancid the minute he saw him, and he was right. And this isn't the first or last time Snarf has been like, this guy does not pass the vibe check and was right ignored, and everybody's all surprised when the guy who betrayed them was secret evil. <sighs> Let's address the overall quality. How's the sound, the music, animation, and voice acting? We don't really get anything new from the music department at this point, although there is like a weird cut from Mom Ra laughing at the end of the episode to like the more chill music, but that's more of a sound editing issue than anything. The animation was on point. Expressions, action fluidity. My favorite animation sequences were Tigra catching Mumra, and there's also like this point where Pumra stops having normal Thundercat eyes and instead has those regular Mumra ones, and that's pretty spooky. I love it. I also find the way that Panther was scaling the wall and that moth attack was done was really, really cool and visually pleasing. The voice acting was also on point from this time for pretty much everyone. The show is really hitting its stride, but the performance that really stands out to me this episode is Earl Hammond. He did the majority of the heavy lifting this episode as Pumrah, Mumrah, and Jaga. 
I was really impressed with his voice for Pumrah. It didn't sound like either of his other core characters up until Pumrah revealed his true nature. Even when he was actively sounding more evil communicating with the mutants, he didn't slip into Mumrah and instead went higher and more growly and sinister than all dramatic like we know Mumrah to be. Oof, and that speech that Mumrah makes before the big reveal. That was cool. He's got such conviction when he tells them that they are the intruders and that they are the reason he has released himself upon the world. It's the first time his motivations seem more interesting than, I want your MacGuffin! But seriously, does it hold up and does it need any modern updates? We've come to the final score. Is the episode good or at least enjoyable? What are some of the ways it can be updated for modern audiences? This episode, genuinely... I watched it twice without taking notes because there was just so much good content to unpack. Of all the episodes we've watched since Exodus, this is the one I think would do remarkably well if it were dropped in front of a brand new audience. It has everything that makes Thundercats great in it. The teamwork, the emphasis on trust and duty, how Pumrah challenges what makes the Thundercats who they are, it's Lionel learning to value his teammates, it's just, it's so good! Thundercats is at its absolute best when they let the other Thundercats, individually and in tandem with each other, do their thing. Not leaving Lionel out, of course, he is the main character, but making him the one to do pretty much everything usually makes for a weak episode. Thundercats is at its best when it tries to back up the themes that the pilot put forward, that Third Earth is not the Thundercats' home, that they are the outsiders, that they are as far as they know, the only members left of their entire species. So of course they'd welcome an enemy they don't understand yet wearing the face of one of their own kind. Of course they would. Like many children's cartoons from the 80s and from now, the primary emphasis in Thundercats is friendship, family, and teamwork. Having the Thundercats civilly disagree with each other on whether or not to trust Pumrah, seemingly one of their own kind, was a brilliant move! Having Lionel allow the others to play into their strengths was also a really important choice, and one I wish the writers made a lot more often. That betrayal from Pumrah really sets in motion a theme I'm not sure was intentional by the creators. But the idea that not all Thundercats are good, and that Thundercats may not have always been a force for good, starts wheedling its way into the story. Serious spoiler warning for Season 1 Episode 10, The Ghost Warrior, and the Thunder Cubs arc at the beginning of Season 3. I'm gonna... quack when the spoilers are done. Shouldn't take more than 30 seconds. Starting now. Throughout the Thundercat series, the actions and weapons of previous Thundercat generations get progressively more worrisome and questionable. Starting with Brune the Destroyer, a former Thundercat turned evil warlord, former friend of Jaga. We learn that Jaga himself is unintentionally responsible for the destruction of Thundera by tossing the Sword of Omens equal and opposite, the Sword of Plundar, into the planet's core. There's even a Thundercat treasure that can mind control snarfs, among other concerning things. Though the show presents the whole thing as good versus evil, looking at it from an adult's perspective tells, and could have been told even better now, a more interesting story about overcoming and making reparations for the mistakes of your ancestors. Which is maybe why the Sword of Omens has a moral code programmed into it in the first place. To keep the Thundercats from falling from grace again. Quack! Spoilers over. Now that I have thoroughly sung this episode's praises, I do have a few not criticisms? but subjective opinions about what I think could have taken this episode from great to absolutely phenomenal, especially for our modern audiences. First and foremost being, this episode is exactly how Mumra should have been introduced. I mean, 
He's a malevolent shapeshifter who covets the Sword of Omens and hates the Thundercats as much as the mutants do. It would have been a perfect move. Show instead of tell. Then they could have taken elements of Lionel's fight with Mumra at the end of the Unholy Alliance. Like, how cool would it have been to see Mumra defeat Lionel and take the sword and Jaga's ghost do the whole the Sword of Omens cannot be used for evil bit and force him to look at his reflection in the blade or something. That'd be so metal. Now, this next bit is a little bit self-indulgent of a, like, a pet peeve of mine regarding the fact that Tigra has illusion powers beyond just turning vi invisible with the bolo whip that they never use, as far as I know, outside of the anointment trials. They could have started foreshadowing them the same way they constantly foreshadow Shitara's sixth sense by making him just a bit more on edge around Pumra because something isn't right because he's using an illusion. How fitting would it be for a man of science with even minor powers of illusion to be able to sense, if not see, unreality, as both a scientific skeptic and as someone who can deceive others with illusions as well? So much potential. What an episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Pod of Thundera. I have been your host, Lars Beckley. Thundercats is property of Rankin Bass. The song, Thundercats intro, theme song, guitar cover, instrumental extended TV metal, provided by Javier Bustacara Ruiz. Tune in next time for Thundercats Season 1, Episode 6, The Terror of Hammerhand. Thunder fans, howl!